Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today's guest is Megan Hansen. Megan is a registered dietitian and the founder of Metabolism Makeover, a virtual weight loss program that teaches clients how to burn fat by increasing their metabolism instead of decreasing their calories, but all the while never giving up fun. In this episode, Megan shares her personal journey with constant yo-yo dieting, weight loss, then weight gain, and how she finally realized boosting both her metabolism and her clients was the key to not only long-term weight loss and maintenance, but also food freedom and feeling better overall. She shares her top tried and true evidence-based habits to support your metabolism and what is the most effective type of movement for quickly reigniting your metabolism. Make sure to stick around till the end when Megan runs us through an ideal day of what supporting your metabolism looks like and what is the one thing you can do in the morning that will set you and your metabolism up for success for the rest of the day. Megan, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you on here. We are talking about one of my favorite topics and I know our listeners and maybe a little tired of hearing me say it, but is our metabolism. I'm excited to be here to talk about metabolism. So this should be a good conversation. <laughs> and you know, my, I'm glad you're excited to talk about it because I mean, let's be honest, it's, it's all you talk about all day long, yes. but you're so good at it. And I'm excited to like dive into all these tips you have and really going to the science back part of it, because I have found, and I don't know if you have, but you know, calories are now villainized, which kind of thank God but people are starting to turn to metabolism, but some people aren't really speaking to it with the science behind it, um, or coming up with, you know, different drinks you can do to improve your metabolism or write all those quick fixes. And so I really want to get into the science behind it and, um, what we can really do. That's not only supportive for ourselves, but our metabolism in turn. That sounds good. That's what I talk about all day. So yeah, exactly. (laughs) I know you do. So I'd love if you can just start off by telling our listeners a little bit more about your journey and why you decided to focus your business and practice on metabolism. Yeah. Well, I went to school to be a dietitian because I was really into this idea that nutrition impacts how we feel every day. Uh, in high school, I started reading self magazine, just the best, uh, resource for all things, health and wellness. Um, and, but it was actually great for me because I had no idea, you know, I grew up drinking like carnation instant breakfast for breakfast in the morning before swim practice. And I wanted to get better. I wanted to be a better athlete. And I started reading and researching how to eat uh, healthy. And as I did that, I started performing better. I started feeling better. I started making these connections between what I ate that weekend and how I felt at practice. And that was really cool to me. So when I found out that you could go to school and do this for a living, I was like, yeah, sign me up. This is amazing. This is so much more exciting than business school. So that's what I did. But long story short, I ended up with an eating disorder and severe disordered eating, which is a little different eating disorder, of course, being something that can be clinically diagnosed disordered eating, just being, uh, as I like to say, eating, not normal. Um, and I know normal is like, okay, what is normal, but 
eating in a way that I was like waking up in the morning and starving myself all day and then overeating at night, or I was missing out on opportunities with friends because, you know, the calories weren't listed on the menu to the restaurant we were going to. I thought about food 24 seven. I mean, I'm sure some of your listeners listening to this right now can relate. And I know that because, you know, most of my following has either been there at some point or they're still there right now. Um, and the reason I think I ended up in this place was because when we learned about how to teach our clients, how to lose weight, it was all around calorie reduction and like, like pretty deep calorie reduction, you know, at the time, I don't know if this is still being taught, but it was like, go on a 1200 calorie diet, uh, make sure you're getting 60 to 90 minutes of cardio a day. And when I think back on it, I think, gosh, I was probably most days of the week in like a really, really deep calorie deficit. No wonder I was binging every weekend and, you know, which turned to every weekend turned into many nights a week. And I, this like five pound weight loss that I wanted to achieve ended up turning into a 20, 25 pound weight gain over the amount of time that I was in school. And so I'm heavier, I'm inflamed. I feel like crap. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm now supposed to go out into the world and help people change their bodies, change their lives, feel good every day with nutrition. And I am a total freaking mess. And it wasn't until I'll tell you the turning point, interestingly, was not with food. It was more with workouts because I was running and running and running every single day. Like, you know, I'd go out and party the night before and I would have to get up in the morning and go run six miles, which is just crazy. Now I'm 36 thinking about this, um, <laughs> how I was able to do that. But eventually I got to a point where I, I had read enough times that weightlifting actually was better for fat loss than cardio. And I couldn't wrap my head around this because I was like, there's no way because cardio burns more calories and it's all about calories. But I kind of hit rock bottom at one point where I was just like, okay, nothing I'm doing is working. I'm still restricting. I'm still running like crazy. I can't lose weight. I'm still gaining. So let's give it a shot. And I gave myself about a month. I want to say where I dropped all the cardio I was doing every day. And I just started focusing on lifting weights. And I, for the first time in years, I started to lose fat and I felt good. Like when I got up in the morning, I didn't feel like I was going to die, you know, because I was not over-exercising every day. Uh, and at that point I was like, wait a second, like <laughs> did everything I learned in school was <laughs> like, were we lied to? And I don't necessarily think that that's the case. We learned plenty of great things while we were in school. But when it comes to actual weight loss and what at least I was taught on how to teach clients to lose weight, I knew at that point that something was off. Um, so I started to, you know, really dig into, I went back, I guess, to my human metabolism classes, because this was, I was still pretty fresh out of school. So I remembered all this stuff. I was like, okay, instead of all the stuff that we learned about in our classes where we were actually teaching people how to lose weight or coaching people through weight loss, however you want to say it, let's go to human metabolism. Cause that was actually my favorite class in college. I loved it Me too. And yeah, it's fascinating. And I was like, okay, there's so much more to the way the body works than just eat less calories. Because truly, if that was the case, we wouldn't be I wouldn't be going on podcast interview after podcast interview to talk about this because we wouldn't need to know. <laughs> you know, we wouldn't need to know about it because 
when you, you know, every time you turn on the TV or open a magazine or, and I agree with you, I actually think that we're really shifting in our perspective uh, of calories. And a lot of the more recent things I've been seeing in the media is pointing more towards like, maybe it's not all about calories. Maybe it is more about our metabolism. Um, but it, it was really at that point that I started to make that shift. And I really started to dig into more of the research around how our bodies work. Like just very simply, like what happens when we eat protein? Mm -hmm. What happens when we eat carbs? What happens when we eat fat? How does this affect our satiation? Like, um, how does it affect our blood sugar? How does it affect our body's ability to burn and store fat? And, you know, I really just made subtle shifts over the years that added up to where I am now and about five years ago is, is when I actually opened my practice and I started seeing clients. And it was at that point where I realized every client that I saw that walked through my virtual door, <laughs> they were all the same. They were all women, like kind of between 25 and 45, I want to say, who had been doing diet after diet after diet. They were they all knew quote unquote, how to eat. Like they didn't need me to say, you know, stop going to McDonald's every day. I mean, they were eating healthy. They were tracking their food. They were exercising every day, but they could not lose weight for the life of them. And that's when I was like, okay, we have to, we have to focus on your metabolism because clearly if you're eating 12 to 1400 calories a day and you're exercising every day, you should be losing weight based on what we have been told by the diet industry and you're not. So what's going on? And I just started working through, um, what I call now, like the six pillars of a healthy metabolism, which is number one, blood sugar control. So teaching them about how to control their blood sugar. And of course we can go more into that, but, uh, number two was like lean muscle tissue, like put some muscle on your body, stop running 10 miles a day and get yourself to the gym and pick up some heavy weights. Number three is movement. So, uh, even if you are going to the gym every day, if you're sitting on your butt all day long for the other 23 hours, um, we need to change that. Uh, number four was sleep five stress, stress management, and then six, finally, uh, looking at gut health. If there was maybe some gut issues going on that we needed to address, um, that was causing them to hold on to weight, but it was really all six of those things that we would focus on. And it was amazing because, you know, person after person, like I said, coming through my virtual door would eventually start losing weight. And it wasn't immediate. It wasn't like, you know, a week would go by and they'd be like, Oh, I'm down five pounds. And this, these things take time when you're repairing years of, uh, you know, abuse really that you've done to your body through dieting. And, but eventually, you know, they would be eating more and more. They started to let go a lot of their food anxiety, which is a huge deal when it comes to sustained weight loss, not having mm -hmm. that anxiety around food and yeah, and then they started to lose weight. And so now today, um, I don't do, I don't personally do one-on-one -on -one coaching anymore or the, the company still does, but you know, I have a big group program because I just kind of took everything that I learned from those one-on-one -on -one clients and packaged it together for the masses, because this is something that I'm clearly extremely passionate about because it, it affected me a lot. Um, I, I spent many, many miserable years, um, being afraid of food and not being able to lose weight, no matter how hard I tried. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I couldn't agree more with 
everything you said. And thanks so much for like sharing your personal journey. I think a big thing to take away, right? Because yes, we are talking about like fat loss, which can be weight loss, which sometimes actually, if you've never lifted weights, sometimes the scale can go up a bit, right? If you build some muscle and yes, we're talking about weight loss, but we're also talking about, I mean, Megan, were you just happier overall because you were feeding yourself appropriately exercising in a way where you're not forcing yourself to run six miles a day. So there's the mental aspect too, and it's not being happy, you know, cause you feel better in your body, which may be part of it, but it's just feeling better. Yeah. And I think, so I talk about these like six pillars to a healthy metabolism, but I like to think of it as a pie. So if that was a pie, your, your little metabolic pie, <laughs> and you had to put that pie in the oven, the oven is your mind. Like if you don't have your mindset right and you're not feeling calm and you know chill around foods and food situations and about your body, you're not you're just not going to take care of yourself. You're, it's not going to be sustainable. It may work for a short period of time and that's why, you know, anybody listening to this, if you've ever gone on a diet where you you know you reduce your calories or maybe you start intermittent fasting or you do these certain things, it does feel good for a little while, but eventually you get to a point where you're like, I, you just, I can't sustain this. And I'm, can I, can I eat this? Can I put this in my mouth? Like what happens if I eat this? Okay. If I eat this donut, then screw the rest of the day because I'm already off my diet. Like we've got to get rid of that all or nothing thinking. Mm-hmm. And I think having this framework of like, okay, it's not just about calories. It's about these six other things that I can work on every day. And I, I don't have to be perfect at is it's empowering and it, it just allows you, I think it allows you to give yourself a little bit of grace and a little bit of wiggle room, um, instead of being so restrictive and so rigid all the time with your diet and exercise. Completely. And I think for, you know, for anyone listening, that's, which I know a lot of people are, are frustrated because they've tried different diets or different ways of eating, et cetera, but haven't really supported their body in a way it can be really hard to unlearn habits from past diets. Um, and also like you said, Megan before, and it's so important, especially unfortunately, and unfortunately, as we get older, if you've had bad habits with your metabolism and you've been a yo-yo dieter for most of your life, your metabolism is probably not in a great place. And for all those years it took to get it there, it can take some time to get it back. So I think this is just kind of like my PSA of supporting your metabolism works to help support your body best, but also it takes time and you have to be patient with it and really trust who you're working with, which that's another piece of it. Um, you want to work with a dietitian who like Megan focuses on metabolism and can really support you in that way, because all of this is hard. It's, it's not easy. And I, it really is. That's probably the biggest thing I find with clients is it's really hard for them to unlearn things they've learned in the past from other diets, whether it's weight watchers or right. Some of those more popular diets that don't a lot of what they preach or say is going to be very different from what 
right? Megan, what you would say, or what I would say when it comes to certain foods. Um, well, and they're not, the problem is, is they're not teaching you. They're giving you a set of guidelines. Like here's your blueprint, yeah, but, but they're you not teaching know, you. No, you, you're not learning anything. So that's great for when you're sitting here at your desk and it's nine to five and you've prepped your breakfast and lunch. And, but what happens when you go out on the weekend? What happens when a holiday comes up? What happens? I, I love this, uh, picture. Um, when you think about from five o'clock on Friday to midnight on Sunday, that is one third of your week. If you add up all the hours. So with every single weekend, you're like, Oh, it's the weekend. Like I'm off. I, you know, I'm off the hook. I'm, I'm going crazy. It's five o'clock on Friday. Like I'm blacking out and forgetting what I ate all weekend and just go, you know, I'm, I know there's so many people that do this because I used to do it too. That's a third of your week, you guys. So, you know, you've got to be able to, you've got to do something that is sustainable enough and supports your body enough all week long. If you really Mm -hmm. want to see results and Megan, that you can adapt to in any situation. So Megan said it perfectly. It is teaching you whether you want to say how to eat support to support your body, a, a way of eating. Sometimes I'll use, but it is to teach you. And it's so funny. I don't know if you get this too much, but like some people will be like, like I'll tell my clients, well, my goal is for you to learn how to do all of this on your own. And they're like, well, isn't that a pretty crappy business model? And I'm like, oh no, <laughs> don't worry. You'll still come back later yes. when you're like, knock, knock, like got it. But um, I'm like, it's not, it's the only way to get people to be able to adapt to any situation they're presented with, whether it's vacation, whether it's um, a birthday party, you know, whatever it is, if you do not learn how to eat yourself and like Megan said before, it's empowering as well you're just going to constantly be going back to things, right? You're going to constantly be going back to whatever diet you're doing or starting over every Monday. You're starting over every month. You're starting over every season. Yeah. It's just constant. It's not a way to live life either. You know, we talk about being happy and it's not a way to live life and, you know, in a way feel safe with yourself. Um, so I know we could keep going on, on, but I want to, I do want to get back to some of the basics. So can you just explain to our audience, um, what your metabolism is and why it's so important. Sure. So metabolism, you know, we could, we could dive into the like scientific definition of your metabolism, but just think of it this way. It's really the way that your body burns and utilizes calories every day. Okay. That's, that's how we're going to look at it. And it's, you have of course inputs, your food and outputs, which would be your, your movement, your basal metabolic rate, which by the way, is like the amount of calories you burn every day. If you were in a coma, which makes up about 70% of the calories you burn every day, um, eating, eating burns up calories, our digestion and, uh, neat movement, which is just like us. Well, you can't see us right now, but I'm like using my hands. I'm a hand talker. So like that's neat movement and then our exercise. So like making it to the gym, which is actually the smallest percentage of the amount of calories we burn every day. So what we really want when we think about, okay, how many calories do we actually burn every day? 
of course, we want that to be as many as possible. <laughs> the more, the better, because that means we can have more flexibility with our diet. We can eat more. We can, you know, have a weekend where we maybe overindulge a little bit and where you don't see weight gain and we feel really good all the time. I and mean, when you're, when you have a high functioning metabolism and your body is burning and storing fat appropriately, when you're burning calories as, as many calories as you should be every day, um, you generally will feel pretty good. There's a good indication there. And of course there's exceptions to that, but uh, a healthy metabolism uh, can generally equate to a healthy body and just feeling really good every day. Where we run into problems is when you undereat, overexercise, and you are constantly putting your body in this massive calorie deficit, whether or not you are maintaining that, or if you're like binging on the weekends, it doesn't matter that up, even that up and down um, cycle of dieting will start to downregulate your metabolism. And what that really means is that let's say you, you are a person who typically burns 2000 calories a day. All right. And then let's say that you decide that you want to go on a diet and you go down to eating 1400 calories a day and you sustain this for three months. Okay. And you lose some weight and that's awesome. And you feel good. Well, then you get to a point where you stop losing weight and you're like, okay, well, gosh, I guess this means I need to reduce my calories more. And that's what every diet would tell you. And I remember I've done weight watchers. I've done them all. And you know, weight watchers, as soon as you stop losing weight, reduce your calories more. Okay. So then you reduce your calories more and you're down to 1300 a day. And then you're down to 12 and you're like, man, how much lower can I go? Why am I not losing weight? Like I was, uh, you know, three months ago. Well, it's because your body is always trying to keep you alive <laughs> and maintain balance. And you cannot run your 2000 calorie body cannot run on 1400 calories unless it adapts. And so what happens is you will then go from being someone who burns 2000 calories a day to being someone who just burns 1400 calories a day. So if you're only burning 1400 calories a day and you're eating 1400 calories a day, you're not going to see any weight loss. So then you got to eat less and less. And eventually, you know, as you do this over the years, you can really end up damaging your metabolism. And that's what we were just talking about, how we can take time to sort of build that back up. But I like to think about it, like the analogy of if you were to like, let's say you, um, you got in your car every day and you drive around to job sites and you, you, you have to fill up your tank every day. And it takes one tank of gas to drive around to all these job sites. And then suddenly we have a gas shortage and you can only fill up your tank three quarters of the way. Well, what are you going to do? Are you going to go drive out and do go to all your job sites and then end up stranded on the side of the road? No, probably not. That would be really dumb. You're going to adapt and you're going to take some shortcuts and maybe cut out some of the sites that are not as important um, and that's, that's just how you'll adapt. And your body does the exact same thing because remember it, I didn't explain this thoroughly, but I, when I mentioned your basal metabolic rate and how that actually makes up 70% of your daily calorie burn, your basal metabolic rate is making sure that your heart is pumping and your brain is functioning and your lungs are working. And, you know, all these functions in your body actually do require you to, it requires calories. It requires energy. So if you want to keep breathing and functioning, your metabolism will adapt to keep you alive. So that is what we don't want, right? We do not want to be burning 1200 calories a day. We want to be up in the, you know, the 2000 range or whatever. I'm just making up numbers right now, but, um, 
that's, that's sort of my, uh, I guess, big picture way of describing your metabolism and what it does for you. Yeah. And honestly, Megan, it goes back to your personal story of when you were like, I started gaining weight yes, and totally. right. It's because your metabolism slowed down because you were over-exercising under eating. And like you said, our body's just trying to keep us alive. Yeah. So it's kind of like, if you just ate one sandwich a day, your body's going to conserve that sandwich. Oh yeah. Try to move it oh, so yeah. slowly. And that's it's going to store people, it. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. It'll store it up. And that's when people see weight gain. And then also, unfortunately too, as we age, our metabolism naturally decreases. So it's like you, I always try and tell people you want to get ahead of it. Totally. So I think for anyone listening, could you share Megan? Like if they're like, you know what? I don't really know if my metabolism's in a good place, if it's you know, yeah. is it working well right now? <laughs> Are there some ways that you can tell if your metabolism is working well or some signs that you have a slow metabolism? Yeah. So one would be, I think if you can't go more than a couple, actually, this is an interesting one. So there's, it's twofold. So there's one, if you can't go more than a couple of hours without eating, you just feel like if you're one of those people that are just like, I'm always hungry, I'm constantly hungry. I have food on my mind all the time. You know, you see like memes on Instagram about people joking about how they're just always hungry and thinking about their next meal. That is not normal. That means that you are pretty much only burning carbohydrates and you're not burning fat because carbohydrates are super easy to burn through. So if you're just, if you have that feeling all the time, like I'm hungry, I'm irritable, I'm hangry, that hangry feeling. If you get that a lot, uh, that means that that's actually not normal. That means that you are only burning carbs and your body's just not burning fat. But then on the flip side of it, there's also, if you're never hungry, so mm-hmm. if you're just somebody who's like, oh man, I'm just never really hungry. I just don't eat that much. That's a huge sign. That's more of a sign that your metabolism is like really tanked out. And it's just, it's not even signaling to you that you need to eat because it's just conserving everything. Yeah. Um, whereas the first one is kind of, to me, that's, that's like the beginning stages of, uh, you need to do something <laughs> to, before you get to that stage of never being hungry. And by the way, this is all reversible. So don't panic if you're listening to this. Um, but those are my, those are really my two big ones. I think. Nordic naturals has a new product alert that I have been patiently waiting to announce our men's and women's multivitamins are here complete with 12 essential vitamins and two delicious mixed berry flavored gummies to support a healthy lifestyle and vitamin sufficiency. It can be tough to ensure that we're taking in optimal amounts of the nutrients we need to be and feel our best. And unfortunately, most Americans don't meet the daily vitamin and mineral requirements. And that includes people who generally eat a nutritious diet. Our food today is very different from what it was years ago and is often stripped of many important nutrients. So we need a little help. And taking a daily multivitamin that is tailored specifically to fill in those nutrient gaps is an ideal and delicious way to support you and your family's foundational health. Head to nordic.com and use the code naturallywell15 for 15% off our new multivitamins to ensure you're getting the optimal amount of nutrients you need every day. In order to get to the place just to write, support your metabolism and do those things. You were talking earlier about mentally being okay. Mm -hmm. I want to get into Megan, like your six pillars. Do you find that you start with sleep and stress first? 
or do you start with some of the metabolism? Like what's your strategy from going through them as well? So for people listening to, and maybe they, they just heard what you said and they're like, Oh yeah, I am that person that I'm not hungry till lunch. And I always thought that was like a really positive thing. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you know, one of the things we start adding breakfast to start getting that right, like that fire burning and start getting your metabolism moving. Um, but where do you start with clients? Yeah, that's a really good question. So while I would love to say that you, everyone should start with stress and sleep, because I think that is, we can get, we can get more into that, but my God, those two things are so vitally important. It is unbelievable. If you are not, if you're someone that's just like, I'm getting by on five hours of sleep, because that's all I have time for right now. That is where I would start because nothing else I'm going to tell you is really going to be terribly helpful until you start Mm -hmm. getting that sleep. But I do typically start with the blood sugar control aspect because I think it is the most controllable. I think it's the easiest. It's honestly not easy to tell someone to go from sleeping five hours to seven to eight hours a night. Um, that's a massive adjustment and, um, like stress is just a whole nother (laughs) bag of worms that we can get into, but the blood sugar control thing is tends to be fairly simple for people. And it starts to create a lot of food freedom. And that's where I like to live because once you start experiencing less anxiety around food and more, I I don't know if food freedom is quite the right word, but it's really just, yeah, I think it is. I think you're not, you're not on the hangry, hangry roller coaster, exactly, which makes you feel so much better. Yeah. So just to kind of yeah give your listeners a uh, an overview of what this looks like is you know when you anytime you consume carbohydrates you're going to see a bump in your blood sugar nothing wrong with this don't panic <laughs> okay this is fine but when we see repeated spikes in blood sugar all day long what happens is is, is when your body uh, or when your blood sugar raises your body releases insulin and insulin will come out it picks up the blood sugar it takes it to your liver it takes it to your muscles and then anything that's left over it's going to take to your fat cells it's got to go somewhere well we need sugar in our muscles and liver we need to store that as glycogen for energy and that is that's a good thing that's a good healthy thing we need to eat carbs i just i really like to emphasize this before i get into this next point because sometimes people hear like i shouldn't ever eat carbs or spike my blood sugar not true but when we're repeatedly eating large amounts of carbohydrates and not balance, balancing it with fat protein fiber uh that repeated uh, blood sugar exposure in the body and those repeated rushes of insulin in the body, you know, it, that is what can eventually lead to insulin resistance, weight gain, obesity, but even not even going quite that far, it's also going to cause you to store a lot more. It's going to, it's going to cause you to store more carbohydrates in your fat cells. So what happens is, um, when someone comes into my program, for example, we'll take a look at what they're eating and say, like, where can we add not necessarily, we're not necessarily taking anything away, but where can we add more fat? Where can we add more protein? Where can we add more fiber? Because these things are actually going to uh, serve as buffers to your blood sugar. Um, I like to say, especially fat is a very effective buffer for blood sugar. If you were to put on a blood sugar monitor and eat a banana, for example, 
and then you were to eat a banana with some almond butter, you're going to see a much lower spike in your blood sugar levels. And this is good because the more steady you can keep your blood sugar, the less insulin you're going to release. And insulin, of course, is that storage hormone that is going to come out and store that blood sugar in your muscle, liver, and fat cells. So, you know, we really just want to avoid, if you can just think about like, how can I avoid (laughs) storing all these carbohydrates in my fat cells, you're going to be in good shape. And, um, it's, it's really pretty simple. It's just a matter of combining some protein, some fat, some fiber from like, you know, vegetables, chia seeds, flax seeds, fruit, and, um, carbs at every meal. And you don't actually need to have, you don't need to choose to eat a starchy carbohydrate at every meal. I can tell you, I personally eat about two starchy carbs a day, starchy carbs, meaning like rice, bread, um, you know, sweet potatoes, your starchy foods. Um, and, but you can choose, like you can have those if you want, or you can leave them out. If you, uh, are, especially if you are really trying to lose weight, I do generally recommend my clients like stick to one a day. And if that doesn't feel good after a week or two, if you're like, I'm really tired, I'm lifting weights a lot, add a second one in. Um, yeah. And you really need to listen to your body because there are some people who feel awesome and swear by the one starchy carb. And then there's others that are like, I need to, I personally need to, there are others that are like, I need three, you know, I do a lot more exercise. I'm walking a lot during the day. I'm burning a lot of calories. So what can be really difficult hearing this for someone who has never eaten this way is they think to themselves, like I could never, you know, you just need to tell me how many starchy carbs I need. I could never listen to my body. Yeah. And just give me a meal plan, Megan, just give me a meal plan. (laughs) And I swear to you, I mean, one of my favorite parts about my job is hearing about a week, literally just like a week, usually into the program, people coming out and saying, I never had any idea what it was like to actually have my body tell me what I need. And I feel like that's happening. Like what sort of witchcraft is this? And I'm like, it's really just when you take the time to learn how your body works, how you're you know, how you digest protein, fat, fiber, how these things are metabolized in the body. You just start to have more of an awareness. I think that's the biggest thing is it's, it's more of an awareness of, and being present with your meal and okay, I'm having a little bit of carbs. Here's my protein. Here's my fat. You know what? I only stayed full for two hours from this meal. Maybe I need to add a little more fat. Maybe I need to add a little more protein next time around, you know, and just paying attention to what it takes. And what, you know, for my rule of thumb that I give to clients is your meal should last you probably about four hours. And sometimes it might be a little less, but if you're getting hungry after two, two and a half hours, it means you need to eat more. You know, um, we don't need to eat every couple of hours all day long. I don't think anybody really wants to do that. To be honest, I don't have time for that. (laughs) Um, so that's really where we start with, with the blood sugar control and just make, again, I'm going to say it one more time, making sure we're including protein, healthy fat fiber at every meal. And then the carbs are kind of the extra. So, um, but I do want to make sure that you're eating at least one starchy carb a day. Again, this is not a, like, don't eat carbs. Don't ever spike your blood sugar. Um, carbohydrates are important, but I think in general, we tend to overeat them. So it's a good thing to just keep in the back of your mind. I like to say, don't eat naked carbs. Um, 
because when you're just eating carbohydrates by themselves, you're, you're going to get that big blood sugar spike. And to be honest, you're then going to get a crash, you know, probably 90 minutes later, and you're just going to be hungry again. So that's kind of where that, um, comes in you know, earlier. I talked about if your metabolism isn't in the best working order, you may be hungry all the time. And that's probably just because your body is just constantly looking for carbs to burn because you're constantly feeding it carbs all day long, you know? Yeah. And with that blood sugar balance, if you're on right, like that hanger roller coaster, or mm-hmm. like you were saying earlier, Megan, of like just constantly thinking about food all day long and you're yeah. constantly hungry, there's no room to be mindful about your plate and what you're putting on it. So once you kind of level out those blood sugars of it, right. And make them small waves versus large waves, you finally have this sense of calm around food. You may still have like, okay, what should I choose? Like those, but you have a sense of calm where you can actually make the decision. I mean, we've all been there, right. When we're hangry, like do we make a sound decision? Do we like, can no, we even process it? Never. No, unless we like pre-made the meal and it's in the fridge and we're like, okay, I can just grab it. But I'm glad that's where you're saying you start, which also it can help with your sleep and stress too. It totally can. Blood oh, sugars. 100%. So it's like, I mean, it's such yeah. a great place to start. Start. I want to dive in a little bit deeper into talking about carbs yes. and exercise. So we touched a little bit too on earlier on like cardio versus strength training. So it's kind of a two-part question of, is there a best exercise for your metabolism? And then how do you adjust your nutrition to support that? Absolutely. Without a doubt. And, you know, research supports this 100%. If you want to get the biggest bang for your metabolic buck, (laughs) you want to be lifting weights because muscle lean muscle tissue is going to increase your metabolic rate. So again, I'm going to go back to that basal metabolic rate we were talking about. That's about 70% of your daily calorie burn. The more you can increase that, the better, right? Because we focus so much, I think, and, and I do see this shift happening with a lot more people kind of getting on board with lifting weights and strength training. Um, but for so many years, we focus so much on cardio because cardio burns the most amount of calories during the session. So you can go run for an hour and burn 500 calories, but the real ultimate goal is to be able to sit on the couch and watch Netflix and be burning more calories every day. And in order to do that, you've got to increase your metabolic rate, which the easiest way to do that truly is just by lifting weights. I mean, the more muscle you have on the body, the more calories you're going to burn. And I'm not saying that, you know, for every pound of muscle you have, you're going to burn 500 more calories. No, but the more, again, it's, it's still going to increase your metabolic rate. It is so much actually gentler on your body than running or doing like really high intensity boot camp classes or spin classes. And especially as we age, like we got to pay attention to that stuff. Um, you know, we can cause a lot of inflammation in your body. If you're consistently doing these like really strenuous workouts day in and day out, and the more inflammation you have, uh, the less weight you're going to lose too. And we can talk about that, but, um, you know, so I, I would say that, truly two strength training workouts a week minimum. But even if that's all you have time for, you are going to see results from that. You can actually build 
lean muscle tissue by just doing two strength workouts a week, um, three or four, even better, but making sure that you're of course taking at least two rest days because your body has to recoup and actually build that muscle in order for, uh, it to benefit you. And then when it comes to nutrition, um, normally what I would, I would, again, I'm, I'm going to tell clients depending on how strenuous their workouts are, you know, if they're using, if they're brand new and they're just using some five pound dumbbells in their living room, I don't think you need to be adding a ton more carbs or food, but you want to start out again with at least one serving of starchy carbs a day. And that is going to be, um, between about 25 to 35 grams of net carbs. Um, and if net carbs are, if you're like, what the hell are net carbs, then you can just go to more like, let's say about 40 to 45 grams of carbohydrates. The reason I'm giving these parameters is, you know, again, when we look at the research, we can see that in generally in women, that is kind of where that insulin threshold is at, where if you, as long as you stay under that amount in one sitting, you're not going to get that huge rush rush of insulin that can cause fat storage. Now I'm, I'm giving you, again, these are parameters. These aren't like (laughs) exact numbers for everyone, but I do think it's a really good structure to follow. And I think that's a, it's a good amount of carbs, um, without overdoing it. It's a, it's a good satiating amount of carbs. This is going to be like, maybe like two thirds of a cup to a cup of rice, for example, or pasta or, um, a medium sized potato. So you want to start with one, but then as you go on and like, let's say you're doing more strenuous workouts, or maybe you're feeling kind of weak throughout the day, or you're getting kind of headachey after a week or two, then that's probably your body telling you like, we need more carbs. So that's when I would say, go ahead and add the second starchy carb and see how you're feeling. Um, and again, that's the same range that like 25 to five grams of net carbs, or if you want to say like, let's say 40, 45 grams of just regular carbs. Um, and that, that seems to work, you know, I've been doing this for about five years with clients and that little formula there seems to work really, really well. And it's also supported by research. And I just like to say that generally when I'm giving guidelines, I'll be honest, I start with the client and I, I listen to them and I see like, what's working for you. And then I go and make sure that it is backed by research so that we are doing things that actually have been proven to work. But I don't always start with research because as women, and I know most of your clientele are women, most of the research out there on the body that has to do with sleep, stress, food, dieting, um, are not done on women and especially women our age, because we have very complex hormonal systems. So (laughs) that's why I don't necessarily look at like intermittent fasting. For example, I know intermittent fasting has amazing health benefits, but those studies are for the most part done on men. And now that we're kind of looking back and seeing like, Ooh, you know, a lot of women actually don't do so well fasting 16 to 18 hours a day. Um, our hormones just don't really like it. So, I did want to throw that in there um, because I think that's really important just for any clinicians, maybe even that listen to this podcast, that science is super important, but listening to your clients and listening to their stories and working with them really closely is in my opinion, just as important. 
Yeah, no, I mean, a hundred percent. You couldn't have said that better, Megan. And I think too, it's important. Like if people are thinking about, you know, when, if I'm exercising and I'm doing the strength training, when's the best time to have those carbs? Yeah. Your body needs carbs to build muscle. So post-workout after you've, you've made, you can think of it as like making room in your muscles. Your muscles have all this room because you just use your stored carbs, right. To get through that workout, to do that strength training. Um, and also when we say strength training, it can also be body weight strength training. It's not just lifting dumbbells and what we typically think of. It's really just any any, it's, you're putting a burden on the body, yeah. right? So spending, be, spending time under tension, like your muscles under tension. That's exactly. It, yeah. So if you are going to have like, you know, that pasta meal or right, you're going to have your, your cup, cup and a half of rice. It's really good to try and have those carbs post-workout or maybe a little bit, some pre-workout if you need a little energy boost, but that way, you know, there's that room in your muscles, that's where your carbs are going to go, but then it's also going to help support building your muscle, which that's where you're talking about too, Megan, of just yeah. having more lean muscle is also going to help support your metabolism. Cause I think that's like, I'll get that a lot too. It's like, okay, you're telling me to eat X, Y, and Z, but when, <laughs> what's yes. the timing of it? When do I do it? And, you know, and then people can kind of drive themselves nuts too. Um, but I know Megan, we're cutting, you know, close on our time, which seems like we could talk about this forever, but could you just run us through an ideal day of supporting your metabolism? Yeah. Oh, sure. That'll be fun. So you want to, first of all, very first thing, (laughs) stop waking up at five o'clock in the morning to go work out when you have slept less than seven hours. Okay. So let's start with that. Um, there is nothing that, pains me more than seeing a client that comes in and they're like, I'm working so hard. I'm getting up at five in the morning. I never miss a workout. And I'm finding out that they're walking around sleep deprived for their workout. You could not be doing something that is more counterproductive for your body. Uh, I have um, stories of clients where it's like, okay, you're not allowed to go work out until you get seven hours of sleep. And so then maybe they only get two workouts in that entire week and they come back and they're like, Oh my God, I lost two pounds. And I'm like, weird, of course, (laughs) because, and we didn't get into this, but you know, exercise on sleep deprivation is a massive stress on your system. And when your body is stressed and inflamed, you will not lose weight. Cause again, we talked about this earlier, your body's always trying to keep you alive, right? So if there's inflammation happening, if there's a lot of stress going on, the body is like not concerned about fat loss in any way, shape or form. So that would be number one, make sure that you're getting at least seven hours of sleep. Um, and waking up, having a breakfast of protein, healthy fat and fiber. I'd say within an hour of waking up, um, you know, I love to do, I love my clients to do about a 12 hour fast every day. Sometimes more like I would say 10 to 12, if you can make it 12, great, but all this really, uh, means is that you, maybe you stop eating at seven o'clock the night before, and then you have breakfast at seven, six thirty-seven in the morning. Um, it's a, just a really nice way to sort of, uh, clear up the highway. As I like to say, you know, like clear up, clear up the traffic jam that might be happening in your digestive system. You're going to wake up a lot less bloated. You're going to feel a lot better, have more energy in the morning. If you're giving yourself that time to kind of let your digestive system rest protein in the morning, super important. 
So I really like you to make it a goal to get 30 grams of protein in the morning. And for some of you, you're going to be like, what the hell, Megan, like 30 grams of protein. That is so much protein. I know it, it does seem like it, but what I see with 30 grams of protein is it sets the stage for the day. It really truly does. And that much protein in the morning, you're not going to get hungry again until lunch. You're not going to think about food again until lunch. It's going to keep your blood sugar super steady. And it's, it's, there's even studies, you know, showing how much it rev up your metabolism in the morning. So protein, um, when I talked earlier about how our bodies burn calories just by digesting, a lot of that is with protein. Protein is the most difficult macronutrient to break down. And it actually has the ability to rev up our metabolism by like 20% when we are protein, but that 30 grams is kind of the sweet spot. Um, as far as the body being able to really rev up. So what I mean by that, I want to explain that real quick. Cause that's kind of weird. So if you had, let's say a hundred calories of protein, um, you're probably only going to be absorbing like 80 calories of that. Now don't obsess over that, please. Like don't track that don't whatever. But the point is get your protein in the morning. It's the best thing you can do <laughs> for your metabolism, especially, I mean, especially if you're trying to lose weight key. Um, then, you know, same thing. We're going to go about four hours or so until lunch, four or five hours to lunch, um, have again, protein, healthy fat and fiber. I, Actually, let's run through some options here. So smoothie for breakfast is super easy, right? Because you can just get a really good quality protein powder, throw that in, get your 30 grams in. Um, you can do some chia seeds, like a tablespoon or two or, or flax seeds for some fiber, or maybe like a half a cup of raspberries um, pro, or for fat. You can do quarter of a cup or so of canned coconut milk, or you could do a tablespoon or two of almond butter, peanut butter. You can throw some greens in there. If you want, if you're doing a workout in the morning, you probably want a few extra carbs. So maybe you throw in a half a banana along with that uh, lunch. You know, if you are not doing any starchy carbs at lunch, you could do um, like, a, like chicken, let's say four ounces of chicken with cauliflower rice and broccoli, or you could do a salad with feta cheese and salmon and, and dressing, um, you know, protein, fat, fiber. Then in the afternoon, we probably, most people are going to need a snack. You don't want to go super long without eating because that's how you tend to get hangry, of course. So, um, for snacks, I really like to focus on like protein and fat versus carbs. Carbs, I think are the most common, um, snack, but they're not really going to hold you over that long. You know, if you're just eating like this morning, I was not prepared and I was just eating apple chips. Um, like before breakfast, because I had to run out of the house and within, you know, I had quite a few and within like 45 minutes, I'm like, Oh geez, I'm starving again. You know, not the best snack option. So like hard boiled eggs, um, I love cheese sticks, Turkey, some olives, my olives are like great. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think like you can get those little olive packets now, mm -hmm. which are awesome. Um, yogurt, you know, Greek yogurt's a great snack with berries, and yeah, that's a few carbs, but that's, I don't obsess over that. I just mean like those like real starchy carbs, you probably want to avoid. And if you do eat, if you're like, oh man, it's, I really like to have an apple at three o'clock in the afternoon. Great. Add some almond butter. No big deal. We just want to keep those carbs with some, with some fat. And for dinner, you know, if you're doing, let's say you're doing a starchy carb with dinner, you might do like steak, potato, veggie, 
Um, the thing is like, I can give you examples, but you can, anything that you make for your family, for yourself, any of those like classic meals, like you can make them and just look at them and say like, okay, where is my protein? Am I getting at least like four ounces of protein in this meal? Oftentimes not. I feel like we, we under eat protein big time. So like, how can we bulk up the protein? If we're having pasta, maybe we can swap that pasta out for some chickpea pasta so that we can bulk up our fiber and protein. Um, you know, Oh, this doesn't have a vegetable. Cool. Let's add a vegetable for some extra fiber. If it's something that you normally eat with three tortillas, maybe we have two tortillas, or maybe if you're not having a starchy carb, you swap out lettuce wraps. Like I want it to be good. I want it to sound good to you. That's really important. You don't have to just eat these boring, like steak, potato, and broccoli. I think that's an easy way to, um, to describe eating protein, fat, and fiber, but you truly can look at your meal and make it. I say PHFF. I don't think I've said that, but protein, healthy, fat, fiber, PHFF. Um, you can PHFF any meal that you eat to make it really simple. Um, and I guess I didn't, um, add this in, but yeah, you're probably, maybe you're going to the workout and going to the gym to strength train at some point, maybe you're doing that in the evening and that's when you have your starchy carb. Um, if you want to get in some extra movement, maybe you're sitting at your desk all day long. So you get up and take all your meetings on your phone and you, you know, walk around the office or, or walk around the block. Another thing I love to do for movement is stand for part of the day, or maybe I'll like squat and sit that actually counts as movement. We always think of movement as I need to go on a walk. I don't have time to go on a walk. No, it's anything that, uh, the, the health, the health problems that we get from sitting, you know, you may have heard the term sitting is the new smoking. It's not necessarily sitting. That's the problem. It's staying in the exact same position all day long. So move around a little bit, <laughs> you know, get up from your desk, go to the set an alarm, go to the bathroom every hour. And, or, um, well, if you don't have to go to the bathroom, you don't have to do that, but get up and go do something. I should say every hour, take the long way to the bathroom. Um, and then beyond that, the other big one is stress. So really, I love, this is not my, um, this is not my concept. This is a friend of mine. Her name is Lindsay Chambers. She's Lindsay's lifestyle. I'll give her a shout out here on Instagram, but she has this thing that she calls three for me. And it's this like free challenge she does every once in a while. And I've started implementing it into my program. She's one of my best friends. So I have her permission, <laughs> but it's, it's just sitting down every day and writing down three things that you can do for yourself. And here's the kicker. You have to enjoy it in the moment and you have to enjoy it. You have to feel good afterwards. So it has to feel good in the moment and it has to feel good afterwards. So you can't say that laundry is a three for me because it, no one likes doing laundry, even though it feels good after. And it can't necessarily be drinking a bottle of wine because while that might feel good in the moment, it's probably not going to feel good after. So it's got to embody both. And that could that could literally be five minutes of drinking your tea on the porch in the morning, you know, or taking a bath or just a quick walk around the block. But those little things that we can do to kind of just bring the stress down and do something for ourselves, which as you know, moms, I'm a, I have a toddler and I'm a single mom. And it's, it's very hard to do that if you're not intentional about it. And I think that's my biggest takeaway here is you don't, because a lot of people are going to listen to this and be like, oh yeah, I should do a few more things for myself. I guess. No, you have to, 
And you have to be intentional or you will not do it, especially the moms. So I, I, I really want to challenge your listeners to go and yes, like do the blood sugar stuff, work out, get more sleep. Yes. All those things are great, but start doing these little things for yourself every day because you deserve it and you matter and you deserve to invest in yourself, whether that is an investment of time or an investment of money. This is obviously a big soapbox for me um, because I have a lot of moms who are clients and I know that this is something that they need to hear. And it, it really is, it's it's vital to your overall health and well-being. And that is going to overpour into all of those other areas. So you know, when you're taking care of yourself and your mind and you're taking care of your stress, that's going to that is going to bleed over into what you're deciding to eat every day and whether or not you're deciding to go for a walk or just sit and watch TV. So I think that's, that covers everything. Oh, we didn't cover gut health, but that one's a little different. You know what, Megan, there's no better place (laughs) to end this fabulous conversation than what you just said. Good. We'll cut it off here. We're done. Yeah. I mean, I can't even stress enough what you just said and, um, to all of our listeners and obviously, right. You know, sometimes we feel like we'll say like, especially our moms, but to our moms and all of our listeners, that is the best piece of advice you could get. So thank you, Megan. You're welcome. So a little bit of a fun part too. We love to end every episode with a little rapid fire Q and a. So first thing that comes to mind, okay. What is your favorite de-stressing practice or tool? Oh, um, uh, definitely. What do you call breath work? I am, I'm obsessed with it now. And I, for so long resisted it, but I, I literally crave it. Once you start that practice, it's, it's the best high. I like Wim Hof. I was, well, I was going to say, I was like, do you have any tips? Yeah. Yeah. You know and also, but I've also recently gotten into Soma. So you can look up both Wim Hof breathwork and Soma, both awesome. I like to do them at different times, but oh, it's good. I've been, <laughs> I've been trying to get Wim Hof on this podcast <laughs> oh. for a while now. I feel like he'd be fabulous. Yeah, um, <laughs> okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee. How do you take it? Cold typically, but it depends. It I'm, I'm all over Do you the put place. anything in it or just, Oh yeah. Oh, heavy cream is my fave. Love it. Um, favorite home cooked meal. Oh, oh my God. I don't even know you guys. I, I get meal delivery. I told you I'm a single mom. Um, I guess well, if it I doesn't go- make it, it doesn't have to be like something oh. you make. It could be at a restaurant. It could be something oh, okay. your family made when you were younger, but like, what's that comforting meal for you? Honestly, pizza. Yeah. I love pizza. Yeah. Yes. Love it. That's, you know, I'm from the Midwest. If you have any Midwest people, um, Lou Malnati's pizza from Chicago is like that. That would be what I would eat if I was on death row. (laughs) You know what? That's our first pizza answer. And I love it. I can't believe nobody else has said it. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. And I mean, it really honestly wrecks my digestion. Not a lot does, but I think it's the combination of cheese and sauce and everything. So I've got to be really in the right vibe for that and like be prepared. But yeah, I'm going to say that. (laughs) But it's also like, what is pizza without the grease? Oh, well, yeah. And that's usually what wrecks the digestion. But it's like, what is pizza without the grease? 
Yeah. Take, oh. remember to take a digestive enzyme. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, Megan, thank you so much. Um, if you can just tell people where they can find you, um, connect yeah. with you for some of your programs and learn more about metabolism. Yeah. So on Instagram, that's basically where I live. I'm Megan, the dietitian. So it's Megan dot the dot dietitian. Um, and then my website is metabolismmakeover.co co and which you can get to, if you go to my Instagram, but that's my 30 day program is the metabolism makeover. And we open up every couple of months. So we'll run a session in August and then we'll run another one in October. And like I said, that's a 30 day program. So, but if you go to my Instagram, you'll be able to find all of this. Um, and also, oh, we also have a second Instagram that is just the metabolism makeover. And I really recommend following both because they're very different. Mine is more just, it's, it's me. It's more like inspirational. Whereas the metabolism makeover is more educational. And so I think people really like to have the combination of both and you can get kind of a taste on the Instagram of like what my program would be like, or what it would be like working with us. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, thank you so much, Megan. And hopefully we'll connect again soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Kate. This week's actionable step is to focus on eating 30 grams of protein at breakfast to set your metabolism up for success. Also take note of how you feel. Are you less hungry? Do you have less cravings? Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. And remember, you can catch some of our episodes of the podcast on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. For something to do in between episodes, follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I typically live on my stories, providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Steven. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at nordicnaturals.com, and we hope to answer your question on air. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.